We are launching a new sermon series today. If you sign your bulletin, uh, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs throughout the whole summer. And you can start opening up there now to Proverbs chapter 1. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible. And it's really in the middle of the five books of wisdom as we refer to them in the Bible. That's the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. And each of these books of wisdom are kind of unique in their own ways. And in the book of Proverbs is unique because it's really a collection of sayings. It's a collection of sayings that lead you towards wisdom. And I think this is one of those series that you're always going to walk away with something to apply to your life uh, directly that day. And a proverb itself, you may ask, what is a proverb? Well, a proverb is, is something you can find in many different areas. There's proverbs outside of the Bible. I just heard one this last week. Uh, they're, they're kind of a clever saying that makes you think deeper about something, and it usually has some, something you can apply to your life. So the one I heard was, don't sweat the petty things, and don't pet the sweaty things. I've been thinking about that all week, and I'm still not sure what that means. Uh, it's too advanced for me. But the, the, the proverbs of the Bible are not too advanced. It's something as you study them, you're always going to glean this wisdom of God that you can apply to your life. And that's why they're important, is because the proverbs are applicable for every walk of life, whether you're just starting or you've been doing this a really long time. This ancient wisdom is still relevant to us today because it points you to God. It points you to his truth and his character, and it helps reveal who he is, and it helps reveal who you are meant to be. And as we study this, this series, you know, the ancients really had this philosophy about life, and by the ancients, I mean the people of Solomon's time. And that life was really like a, a journey, Right? And every person at some point has a fork in the road, and they can choose one direction or another, right and wrong, good and evil. And every decision you make will put you further down one of those two paths. And the further you go down, the, the harder it is to turn around. You get kind of more uh, steep into those, those pathways. And it's kind of reinforced in the Proverbs itself in, in chapter 16, verse 9. It says that a man or a person in their heart chooses their path or chooses their course, but God directs their steps. And so every day we make hundreds of choices that can lead you towards kind of one path or the other, what is right and what is wrong. And I'm going to give you a few hypotheticals that you could probably identify with, even in the, in the, in, uh, the last year or two. Let's say you're at the, at the store, you check out, and there's a brand new cashier, who gives you double the change you're owed. Now, you have a choice. You can tell them and make it right, or you can stay silent and walk away. You may have someone uh, say, uh, call you uh, something nasty, uh, someone who insults you. You can choose to insult them back, or you can diffuse the situation and try to understand them. You may hear something about someone else, and you could pass that on, or you can cut the circle of gossip and go to that person. The reality is we all have these decisions we're making, and all of them lead towards what is right or what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. And wisdom is one of those tools that God gives us to kind of apply to our life in all those situations. 
And so as we start out today, we're looking at kind of the intro to the intro of Proverbs of King Solomon. It's really giving the the why and, and the how and the who the Proverbs are for, what it accomplishes. And it's really answering two big questions. What is wisdom and how do we get it? So that's what we've been going through today. Uh, Let's just take a moment to pray that God would really reveal his wisdom to us and speak to each of us in our lives uh, where we are today. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we start this series, I, I just pray, first of all, that you would give us hearts of humility to understand that we don't have all the answers, and in many ways, everything we think we know may not be uh, what we need to know. And God, that you are all wise, and you are also all generous, and that you give to us the wisdom that, uh, that we need. So I pray for all of us as we go through this, and especially today as we start, that we'd all start at this foundational level. The beginning of wisdom is admitting that we don't have all the answers, but you do. So speak to us now, God, and humble our hearts before you. Soften them to receive your word today. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's read together. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge, and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So as I said, that kind of answers two big questions for us today. What is wisdom and how do we get it? And we look at the question, what is wisdom, it's kind of answered in five parts in the first six verses. And the first thing, as we read verse 1, that these are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, we know that wisdom originates with God and is given to those who ask for it. You might say, huh? Doesn't it say that these Proverbs are from Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel? These are Proverbs of some dude 4,000 years ago. How can you say that it originates with God? But you have to know the story of Solomon, which is detailed very clearly in 1 Kings, that he was not born with wisdom. And when he became king of Israel and followed up his dad, who was a great king of Israel, it was daunting. And God came to him in a dream and said, I'll give you anything you ask for as you become king of Israel. And rather than asking for all of his enemies being thwarted or for him to have this long and prosperous and easy life, He said to God, I want a heart to be able to discern what is good and what is bad, to lead the people in what is good. And so God gave him a wise and discerning heart, unlike any before him and any after him. The wisdom that is imparted to us through these Proverbs came from God. It was given to Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. And right in the next chapter, you can probably see it right where you are. Uh, chapter 2, verse 6, it says that the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And that's the first and most important part as we define wisdom as we go through this series, is it's not a man-made resource. 
It's not something that we stumble upon ourselves. It's something that originates with God. And in his benevolent gift, he gives it to those who ask for it. This is exactly what we read in the book of James 1, that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Wisdom is divine. It comes from God, and in many ways it defines God. It is who God is. He is all-wise, and true wisdom will bring you closer to God. The second part of the question, what is wisdom, is found in in, uh, verse 2. It's for gaining wisdom. These Proverbs are for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. And what this tells you is that wisdom is practical. It's applied to every part of your life. It's not something you store up in a jar and you you break it open and when this situation might arise, it's, it's something that as you learn it can be used in every nook and cranny of your life. And we understand this by, by, by reading the word instruction here and understanding what this means. And we think of instruction kind of like in a classroom setting, like the teacher tells you all these things and then you have to repeat it on a test and prove that you know it once and then you're done. But instruction actually means this ongoing guidance, this ongoing correction. Think of it as kind of a course correction. And I thought a good metaphor maybe is like teaching a kid how to ride a bike. Now, our son is learning how to ride a bike. He has one of those bikes without pedals right now, and he's very good on it. He's got his balance. We got him a pedal bike, and it's, it's working. He's, he's, he's made about two or three revolutions, and then he puts his feet down. But if he said, Dad, I can do this myself, it would end very poorly right now. When I think about guiding, I understand that there's going to be a moment as I'm, I'm helping him along, and right, my back is just wrenched right now from trying to teach him how to ride a bike, but there'll be a moment that I can let him go, and he can ride on this path. Right? And that's kind of how wisdom is, is it points us and guides us in a path. It's maybe not a very good metaphor, because if we're honest as Christians, we never take off our training wheels. Right? We can never do it by ourselves, and we always need God to kind of hold on to us. But wisdom is one of those things that guides you and sets you forward to continue to make good decisions. And the word for instruction actually is very close to the word that we define for discipleship. It's this ongoing relationship. We become disciples of wisdom. So all these ins and outs of life can be guided by wisdom that it helps us to understand words of insight, which basically means we can understand what is true. And that's really important for Christians because we're going to be told in life that a lot of things are true. We have a lot of empty promises given to us. But this helps us understand what is true and what is false. So we don't have the wipeouts, so to speak. We don't learn all the lessons the hard way. And wisdom will guide us. There's not a part of your life that wisdom will not impact as it instructs and guides you. The third part answer is that wisdom is really a moral or an ethical endeavor. Right? That, that these Proverbs are for receiving instruction and prudent behavior for doing what is right, just, and fair. We're going to talk about those three words in a moment here. But you often think of wisdom as kind of the the smart person who knows everything, 
Right? That's our worldly view of wisdom. And the contrast of a wise person is the fool. You think of the fool as someone who does stupid things. It's the person who, when Kirk Cousin throws the interception to end the game, they punch a hole in the wall. You think of them as the fool or the idiot. But really, wise and, and wisdom and, and folly are more uh, aptly defined as good and evil. In fact, the Hebrew word for fool is, is spelt E-W-I-L. And in Hebrew, W has a V sound. Evil. Evil. Fool means evil. And so this is really determining right and wrong. That's what wisdom is. It's not just smart and dumb as we may often define it. And so we see these three words, right, just, and fair. And the word right means agreeing with God, righteousness, agreeing with God as to what is good or right and living it out. And just means correcting those moments and restoring those moments of what is wrong. And fair really means equitable, that it's not just that all of the good things are happening for you or by you, but also to those around you. This is definitely one of those things that goes much deeper than we often minimize it to be. And we're often encouraged by our society to do what is wrong, but then call it right. Wisdom says you agree with God of what is right and what is wrong, and that we are to depend on him for those definitions rather than determine it for ourselves. The fourth part of this answer is that wisdom are for the inexperienced. Verse 4, that's for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge, and discretion to the young. Simple, young. You're going to notice through the book of Proverbs that there's categories of people given and kind of referred to frequently. Young, uh, mockers, sluggards, wise people, fools, etc. And young doesn't necessarily mean young in age, though certainly oftentimes it, it, it does refer to that. But it means people who are starting to make their own decisions and become independent. Think of that fork in the road. It's people who are not on one path or the other. They're not a wise person or a fool, but they're open to the instruction of either. It's, it's, and sometimes it's uh, also translated as naive or gullible. And these are the kind of people that kind of blow with the wind. There's no conviction in their lives, and they, they typically just believe the last thing that they heard. Well, that's the kind of person that wisdom is for, the wisdom of God, that it would guide them in their endeavors, that they have knowledge and discretion. And discretion really means the ability to think independently and make good decisions. They're not easily influenced if they receive wisdom. And so wisdom gives the young or the simple, the inexperienced, the ability to read their situations with the insight or the truth of God and make good decisions. The fifth part is that wisdom is also for those who are already wise. Let the wise listen and add to the learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. So Solomon says that the wise need to grow in their learning. And that's why we might say, huh? I thought they were already wise. They should be the ones that are doing the teaching, right? 
And in many ways, yes, but we understand that those who are already wise and experienced need wisdom just as much as those who have zero answers. And we live in a culture that kind of creates arbitrary measures to say, you've learned enough. Right? We just had our graduation Sunday last week, and we celebrated those who graduated high school. There's some who have graduated bachelor degrees, master degrees, doctorate degrees, and we say, you've learned enough. You have now graduated, and there's nothing left you need to learn. But wisdom tells us that there is no graduation. There is no end point. There is no destination of the journey. In fact, the journey is, or the destination is the journey. Wisdom is our journey and the pursuit of it. The truly wise have the humility to understand they still have much to learn. And so this is one of the series that's going to touch every one of you exactly where you're at. If you are brand new to the faith, or if you are a teenager just kind of making your way in the world, this is, this is for you. If you're one who has been a Christian your whole life, this is for you. If you're one who says, you know what, I've read through the book of Proverbs like 100 times. I've heard like 10 sermon series on it. This sermon series is going to do nothing for me. This series is especially for you. Is what we just read here in this moment. Wisdom never expires. And at different phases of our life, wisdom is going to touch us and impact us differently. It's going to be applied in different ways. So let the wise listen and add to their learning. All right, so that's kind of a five-part definition of what wisdom is. And now in verse 7, we kind of answer the question, how do I get it? How do I obtain wisdom? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despite wisdom and instruction. And here wisdom is kind of used interchangeably with knowledge, though in practicality they are different from one another. So fortunately, we kind of have a really quick answer to the question, how do I gain wisdom? By fearing God. What does that mean? We're going to unpack that in a moment. But this is the first of many comparisons as we talk about the contrast between the wise person and the fool. Now let's look at the fool first. How many times have you heard things like this? Follow your own, follow your own heart. Live out your truth. You do you. These are prevalent sayings in our culture that encourages you to decide for yourself what truth is and what wisdom is. And fools are ones, you don't want to be in this camp, who will despise the wisdom and the instruction of God. Now, this is not a new concept. Okay, read through the book of Judges, a few books before this, and you'll see repeatedly the phrase that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's the same concept. And especially if you read chapters uh, 17 through 21, it's a recipe for disaster. And it did not end well. God has determined right from wrong. That is not up for us to decide, no matter how much we don't feel like it or how much it inconveniences our life. Foolishness is evil. And it's deciding your own truth instead of following God and despising the wisdom and the instruction that he gives. 
So how do you gain wisdom? It's by fearing the Lord. That's the beginning, the foundation of knowledge or wisdom. And we often misunderstand the word here that's used for fear. We, often, we think of it as like kind of cowering before God, that we are the ant and he's the kid with the magnifying glass, right? That's not what fear means. If I could simplify it, fear or wisdom is gained through a healthy relationship with God. And I decided on these four words. They're probably not complete, but it's built with respect, trust, obedience, and love. And I've heard that fear, the fear of God is like having a a child-parent relationship where we're the child and and the parent is is God. And this is probably a bad metaphor for any parent today of teenagers, right? Because they are very rebellious. But someone who's much younger often will respect everything their parent says. And when they're three, you might say, you can't play in the middle of the highway, and they say, but why? You know, and they don't understand it. But, but as they get older, they develop this relationship where they know everything you tell them is for their good. And they start to grow respect, trust, obedience, and love. And that's our relationship. That's the fear that we should have before God, that we have this reverence, this respect for him, that God is God and I am not. And no matter how much what he says might inconvenience me, it's not up for me to decide what is right and what is wrong, that we trust him. And this is fairly hard. Again, you may feel different than what God says, but trusting God is really a form of our self-control, giving up on our own indulgences and impulses and trusting what he says. And that leads us to obedience, which is harder than trust, because that's our actions. And doing what he says is as important as believing what he says. But all of this must be fueled with love. We do this out of the love of God. Because if you're living a life of all the right decisions, simply because you think it's going to earn you heaven or, or bringing up the wrong somehow before God, that's not really loving God. That's loving yourself. Everything we do in life is to be in response to what he's done for us. That's the fear of God is knowing that he is a kind and gracious and benevolent father who loves you dearly, who gave his son for you. And so we respond to him in love as we have a relationship of respect, trust, and obedience. The whole book of Proverbs hinges on that idea that God loves you deeply, and we have the ability to love him back in this authentic and life-changing relationship. Everything we do in this life should depend on God for provision, for direction, for energy. It's this relationship with him that we gain wisdom, and wisdom ultimately brings us closer to who he is and who we were meant to be. Now, we're going to talk about what God did for you a little bit more in this service, because I think that's an important point to end on. Rather than what we can do for God, what God did for you. And we're going to celebrate uh, communion together. But before we do that, we're going to invite Dave uh, up here. He's going to give uh, a recap. And then creatively, he's going to bridge that into communion as we think about how Christians around the world are doing the very same thing. But I'm going to invite him up. But I just want to take a moment before we transition just to close this time in prayer. So God, we thank you for your word and for your wisdom, for all the ways that you 
speak to us. And, and so, God, I, I pray as we uh, have learned these things, what is wisdom and how do we get it, that we would all understand the importance of living a life guided by your wisdom, that we fear you, that we have this respect and trust and obedience and love for you in all things we do. So, God, I just pray for this. And as we transition now, knowing that the work that you're doing here at Maple Plain Community Church is being replicated in, in many ways around the world, that this is a global effort, that we are part of a great, great big kingdom, your kingdom. So, God, I just pray that you would speak through Dave now and, and bless this time uh, before we share communion with one another. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.